Have you never read? Underneath that simple question is a life-altering implication. You should read the Word of God. That's why Jesus also says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus knows that there is a spiritual hunger inside of every human heart that can only be satisfied by consuming the words of God. Christian, give yourself to the Word of God. The Word of God is a rock, strong and steady. It doesn't budge, break, or crumble under pressure. It's an anchor in the storm, keeping us calm when everything around us is chaotic. The Word of God is a mirror showing us who we really are. You don't just read the Word of God, it reads you. It's a treasure, beautiful in every dimension and worth every effort of discovery. It brings endless joy and eternal riches to all who find it. It's a fire spreading across the world to bring heat and light. It's a river bringing life and power to everything it touches. The Word of God is a seed planted deep inside of our hearts, producing the fruit of holiness and righteousness. The Word of God is a sword, dividing true and false, right and wrong, good and evil. It's a hammer, crushing what needs to be crushed and breaking what needs to be broken. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to show us our path. So let the voice of God be the first the last and the loudest voice in your ear today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Give yourself to the Word of God. Well, good morning, and let me welcome you to Crossroads. We're excited that you're here. Let me welcome those that are joining us online. That kind of multiplies by a bunch during these summer months, these summer hot months where people are on vacation. We encourage you to take time to be with your family and friends. When you're not here, join us online. And if you can't join us online at the time that we're actually live online, that broadcast is available to you to listen to all week. So let me welcome all those who are joining us live, those who will join us later in the week. Again, we'd love to have you comment, share, and again, engage with us on social media when you have the opportunity. You know, I was thinking this week, we're not in a series, uh, and I know some of you like that, some of you don't like that. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where I'm kind of trying to get to summer. This is not summer. That's the 21st, which means the 25th will be summer at Crossroads. So we're just trying to get there. There's no worship guide, just a little card that asks for your information and your prayer requests. So just always fill that out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, things are kind of low-key right now. We understand that you're kind of going and coming, so we kind of plan for that. You know, it's kind of like Moses and the Exodus. I mean, we, we kind of know when summer comes, people are gone. That's what happens. But we're excited that you're here. But again, not being in a series... It kind of made me think this week of something that I said last week. And I think I said it in both services. So if you were in the 830, I think you heard it in one fashion or the other. And if you were in this service, you, you heard it. Probably wasn't the same. Uh, I did not go back and listen to the live broadcast to see what I actually said. But I think it goes something like this. It, it, it struck a nerve with me. Here's what, it, here's what I said. We, we have to know the Word of God. Because if you don't know the Word, then you're never going to know what God says. 
And listen to me, if you don't know what God says, then you don't know what God thinks. And when you don't know what God says and what God thinks, then you kind of think that what you think is right. Or what you feel is right. Now think about that. If you don't know what God says and what God thinks, then you have this tendency to think what you think is right. Or you have this tendency, and I think this is what's going on in our country and our world right now, you have this tendency to think what you feel is right is okay. Because you don't know what God says. And you don't know what God thinks. And, and, and I kind of, last, after last week, I kind of brought that back in, into my mind and into my heart. And, and it made me kind of go back and, and recover a phrase that I've spoke on here before. And, and I'll probably speak on again many times. And, and that phrase kind of goes something, you're going to be familiar with this. So when you see it, some of you are, some of you are not. But again, it, it, it bears bringing back up because that phrase kind of meshes with what I said last week. And here's that phrase. If I could see as God sees, I'd be more inclined to do what God says. And the only way I can know what God says is to know God's Word. Because if I know God's words, then I would be seeing as God sees. And when I see as God sees, I would be more inclined to do what God says. And whether you want to admit it, that, that, leave that up there just a minute, Jay. That, that's an amazing statement, whether you believe it or not. It's true. Because, see, God is the greatest communicator. There's no doubt about it. And although I have never heard God speak out loud, I know that God speaks to us. And the way that God speaks to us is through His Word, the Bible. So this morning, I just want to investigate, just take this time, this, these next few minutes, and investigate how, how God speaks to us. Because I think it's important for you and I, for those watching and joining us online, whether that's watching or just listening, we need to know what God says. Because here's the thing, if we don't know what God says, then we have that tendency to think that the things that we think are the things that we feel, that those things are okay, or those things are all right. Now think about that, and again, I think I can get some clarity on this. By going to the actual, it's, a, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. And it's written by David. Because David kind of gives us insight to how God actually speaks to him. And, and again, if, if we're going to look at how God speaks to David, and David's going to give us insight into that and help us kind of see that, you have to kind of know that David doesn't have, or he didn't have at that time, this. He didn't have the Bible that you and I have. Actually, he actually only had about seven of the books that are in this Bible. And of those seven books, three of those books would actually choke a horse. You know, I mean, they would just absolutely choke a horse. The basic idea or the belief is that, that, that David actually had the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy and probably Joshua and Judges. We're not totally sure. 
or I'm not totally sure. I, I'm, I'm, I told you I'm transparent. If I don't really understand or know, I'm going to tell you I don't know. But that's what we think. But David always talks about loving God's word. He always talks about, he calls it God's law. He always talks about loving God's law. And, and, and again, here's the thing I want you to hear me say. We hear somebody say that, and that's actually in, recorded in Scripture. We're going to look at it in just a minute. But you say, really? I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, you've tried to read this, and you're like, oh. It just chokes you because you, you can't understand it. And from David's perspective, he talks about God's law. He talks about God's word. It's really interesting because he doesn't talk from it or about it from a perspective of, you know, a list. But like many of you think, it's just a list of things you can do and can't do. Do's and don'ts. That's not the way he looks at it. David has a passion about God's word. And that passion that he has, it comes from what I call a relational perspective. David says he, loved God's he loves God's law. He loves God's word. He meditates on it day and night because God's word is the thing that, that comforts him. God's word is the thing that, that strengthens him. God's word is the thing that revives him. And from David's perspective, there's something about God's word that to him is very relational. So that's what I want us to look at. I want us to discover, because most of you in this audience and most of those watching and listening online, you, you just have a problem with God's Word. Not a problem with God's Word, but just a problem kind of getting into it and understanding. And I, and I want to look at what David, kind of the insight that he gives us and why God's Word is so important to him, especially from a relational perspective. Because one of the things that you have to remember is in that day and in that time, faith or religion was complicated. I mean, th think about it. Think about it. Now, now, now I know we've got a couple of visitors here, and we honor you. We're glad you're here. But my name is Randy, and I'm a southerner. <laughs> and I talk funny sometimes. I put letters in words that are not actually there. <laughs> because to, to David, see, he knew in, in religion or in faith at the time, you had to wash. <laughs> see what I'm saying? You had to wash a certain way. You had to kill animals a certain way. And, and if you didn't wash the right way and if you didn't kill the animal the right way and you didn't do, do things in the order in which they were supposed to do, then guess what? You had to start the process all over again. So religion back then, or faith back then, was really complicated. But what's interesting is that in spite of all the rituals, in spite of all the cumbersome stuff that David had to do and to go through, it's interesting that he feel, still found a very intimate and personal relationship with God. And according to David, that personal relationship was instigated or instigated and originated from God's word. Not the not the Bible that we have, but God's law. Those five or seven books that he had at that time. That's how the relationship between David and God started. And that's what I think all of us need to understand. That's God's desire today is, is to have a personal relationship with all of us. 
And God wants to speak to you. And and I'm going to tell you, chances are you're never going to hear the audible voice of God. I hope you do. Well, I don't know if I hope you do or not. But it would be cool, I think. But I'd probably be one and done when I heard that. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like Vanderbilt winning a football game. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I, I mean, anchored down. I love my Commodores, but I mean, we're just kind of who we are. But let me tell you, if God's going to speak to you, let me tell you how God's going to speak to you. God's going to speak to you through his word. That's the way God's going to speak to you. And many of you right now are living your life like God doesn't speak. Many of you are living your life like God doesn't speak to you. But he does. And that's what we're about to dive into and find out. Because David writes this in Psalm 119. Here's what he says. Psalm 119, we're going to start at verse 97. David says, oh, how I love your law. And you're like, are you? Don't you have Vogue magazine or People magazine? Don't you have David? But look at what he says. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day and night, all, all, all day long. And you think, well, David didn't have a life. David had a life. David was the king. David had a busy schedule. But David learned that when he took the time to get into God's law, to get into God's word, when he took God's truths and he meditated on it day and night, all day long, that the word of God, the law of God, the truth of God, that became the benchmark for all the decisions that David would make in his life. All of his thinking. God's Word, foundation, benchmark for every decision that he would make. Body, mind, and soul. Let's go on. Your commands make me, look at what he says, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they're ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, insight, more insight, for I meditate on your statutes, I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Now, let's stop here a minute and realize what he's saying, because I think this is really important. David is, is basically, what David is saying is that he spent so much time in God's Word because he's, he's meditated on it over and over and over, and the result of him staying in God's law or staying in God's Word is that in spending time there, that there are things that God has communicated to him. I mean, there were three words that stood out on the verses that we just looked at a moment ago that I think you, you have to see. David says, here's what he says. Look at the screen. He's, he, he says this. He's gained ins- wisdom. He's gained insight. And he's gained understanding. Now think about that. David says, I gained in- wisdom because... You've taught me through your word. I've gained insight because you've taught me through your word. And I have understanding. Because God has spoke to him and taught him through his word. And look, 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 
those three things now form the basis for every decision that David's going to make throughout his life. Wisdom, insight, and understanding. And let me tell you what that really means. I mean, this is 2023. That means if you have those three things, if you have wisdom, insight, and understanding, then that means, listen listen to me, Crossroads, as you go through life, if you have those three things, you're going to make good decisions. If you have wisdom, insight, and understanding, you're going to make good decisions. Now, let me tell you, God isn't trying to tell you, God's not speaking to you about, well, do I buy the Escalade or the Yukon? He's not, he's not talking about that. But what God wants to do is to communicate to us through his word so he can teach us wisdom, insight, and understanding so that we have the foundation to be able to make good decisions in life, all areas of life. David says because God gave him wisdom, he can outsmart the enemies. David said because God gave him wisdom, if he was in 2023, he could actually navigate the roundabout downtown. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, man, you struggle, man. I'm telling you. My gosh. I get behind you, and you want to make the preacher cuss. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, go. Easy, come, easy, go. It's the way it works. And David would say, God, give me wisdom. I can navigate that thing. He has more insight than his teachers because God has communicated to him through his word. What else did he say? He said, I have more understanding even than people older than me. And all of that happened, wisdom, insight, and understanding, it all happened as a result of spending time right here, God's Word. Well, not not, not this Word, the, the law that He had at the time. But He gained wisdom, insight, and understanding by spending time in God's law. And David goes on, look look at what he says. I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I've not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. David is saying to us, he's telling us, when he takes the time to read God's word, it's like God's a tutor, you know what I'm saying? It's like God's teaching him. Now think about that, David is sitting, I think David is like, Matthew McConaughey looking. You know what I'm saying? Really good looking. I, you know, I, don't know how to, I can't do that, you know. But, I mean, I can just see Matthew McConaughey being David. Cool looking, good looking. I mean, I mean Bathsheba liked him, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, so, I mean, he had to be good looking. But I can just see, I can see David sitting, not with what I have, but with like a scroll, you know, and he unrolls the scroll And it's the written word of God. And God's teaching him through the words that are written on the scroll. Listen, God is not teaching him in an audible voice. 
But God is teaching him through what has been written down. Look, look at verse 103. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now pay special attention to the next verse because this is huge. He said, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Let me look at that again. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Now, can I just say this? I know there's not a lot of students here because a lot of people are on vacation. But if you're a student and you're here this morning, then what I just read should be huge to you. Because David is saying that as a result of spending time in God's Word, that, that he has received insight and understanding. And it's insight and understanding into evil. God has given David insight and understanding when it really comes to understanding sin. You know, the Bible says, what does the Bible say? In the last days, wrong will be right and right will be wrong. We're there, people. Are we there? We're there. And we need to understand sin for what God sees it as, for what God says sin really is. And can I just tell you this? Sin is fun. It's fun. But sin will never deliver what it promises. In the moment, it's fun. That affair, it's fun. That stealing, that stuff that's not yours, it's, it's fun. But David says, I gained wisdom, uh, insight and understanding into sin and to be able to see it for what it really is. Seeing it the wrong ways. And because of our of my spending time in God's Word, David is really letting us know that he's been able to avoid destructive habits. Because he can, he can see through sin. Now, because he spent time in God's Word, he's not somebody who falls for sin. He doesn't give in to sin and the allure of sin because by spending time in God's Word, he has the ability to see sin for what it really is. It's a great place to talk about the shallowness of sin. Because, see, in, in, in my opinion, there are three ways that you can discover the shallowness of sin. One's, let me tell you, the first way is personal experience. You want, you want to see how shallow sin really is? I'm going to tell you, you know how you can discover that? Go out today and get you the biggest dose of sin you can after church. Go out, go out this afternoon and just dive headfirst into a big old pile of sin, and you're going to see exactly how shallow it is. Get you a big dose of it. That's the first way that you can discover the shallowness of sin. The second way is for you to watch somebody else live a sinful life. Just watch them. Watch what they do. Watch the decisions that they make. Watch their life and see them crash and burn. And that's when you'll discover the shallowness of sin. But the third way, I think, is the best way in what David says. 
He says, just allow God to show you about sin. Because God will teach you and God will give you understanding about sin so that apart from experience and apart from observation, you can see sin for what it really is. You can see sin for what it really is and the promise of sin won't be so alluring to tempt you. That's what that verse means. Let let me read it again. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. I mean, let's be honest. Look look, Look back at your life. You could have avoided your biggest regret if you could look back and see through sin. The the sin that you committed. The promise that sin was holding out in front of you. Because here's the thing, if we think back to that big big regret, if we think back in our life to that, if we've all got them, that big nightmare, there was probably somebody in our life who was looking at us and saying, Randy, don't do that, don't do that. There was somebody in our life who was saying, Randy, go back, go back, go back. Because those people were looking and they were seeing things differently than we were seeing things. They were looking at what you and I were about to do and they were saying, bad decision. And you're like, oh, no, no, it's okay, it'll work out. But they're looking at the decision that you're about to make and they're saying, no, it's going to be a terrible mistake. It's a terrible mistake. But we didn't see it that way, so we went ahead and made the mistake anyway. If only we could see as they saw. And that's what God is saying. God is just saying, give me some time. And then I'm going to teach you to see as I see. Because when you see as I see, chances are, when you see as he sees, you're going to do as he would do. Do as he would say. Because his desire is to give you the wisdom and the insight and the understanding to see sin for what it really is. God says, you know what, I'm going to let you see through the the cover of sin, the veneer of sin. So that you know that sin will never deliver on its promises. God says, I'm going to give you that kind of insight. But the only way that you can get that kind of insight is that you have to spend time in his word. Look at the last verse. Your word is, we, we all know this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, that verse, leave that there a moment, Jay, is like God saying it's a GPS system. It's ways. It's Google Maps. God's Word gives you direction. It's like walking in a dark place and the Word lights my path so that I have the ability to see where I'm going. And what God is really saying is God, God is really saying that God's going to communicate 
with me through his word. And he does that so that I know how to live my life. I know how to conduct my affairs. I know how to handle my relationships, my finances. It's any area of my life that I can think of. Because, listen, it's the Word of God. It's God's Word that gives me direction. It's not a voice. It's not a CD. It's not a book. It's not a podcast. But it's God's Word that's a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And see, here's the thing to me that's so incredible about this. The thing that to me is so incredible about this is that our Heavenly Father wants to go beyond the basic decisions of life. Did you hear me? He wants to go beyond just the, the basic decisions of life. What He desires to do is to actually go to the core of our life. Because listen to me this morning, he knows that if you can begin to see life and parenting and love and relationships and sex and marriage and kids and job, everything. He knows if you can just begin to see as he sees, then his decisions and his desires for you, those things are going to start to make more sense. Because you're going to be more prone to follow him. Now listen. I, I think all of us have heard verses or heard messages or read verses. From God's word that on the surface you're like, oh, there's just no way that could apply to me. There's just no way. I read this. I read that. There's just no way. Randy, you, you got to be kidding me. This is 2023, and there's no way that that verse in that book of the Bible, in that chapter, there's just no way that it could apply to my life. So that must have been applying to some type of cultural problem that existed back in those days because those, that, that, that just doesn't even relate to my life. I mean, think about one of those verses that says, Husband love, husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church and lay down your life for her. And some of you are like, are you kidding me? I don't think I can do that for my wife. Because I have a life of my own. And Randy, if I look after her, who's going to look after me? I mean, that's just the way some of you think that that verse does not apply to us in 2023. Or what about this? Ladies, don't worry, I'm not leaving you out. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Are you kidding me? Have you seen my husband? Have you seen my husband? It doesn't make any sense to submit to him. I don't have to submit. Because that must have been something that was cultural to those people in that time back in those days. Or what about this? Children, obey your parents. Really? Excuse me? And some of the children would say, has anybody seen my parents? You know, I mean, you expect me to obey them? Oh, here's the good one. Here's the good one. This, 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 this strikes like a hot iron on this Sunday in June. Sex is for marriage. Oh, yeah, Randy, I'm sure. Back when they got married when they were 12 years old, you expect me to wait? We don't get married till we're like 30 now. But you want me to wait? 
And see, here's the thing. You read all this stuff in Scripture and you say, it just doesn't fit with my life. And you know why it doesn't fit with your life? Because you don't see your life as God sees you. Because if you saw as God sees, it would all make sense. If you saw as God sees, it would make perfect sense. Because when you and I take the time to read and meditate on God's word, listen to me, his commandments and his words make perfect sense. And that's what God is saying. I want you to know me like I know you. And God is saying to you this morning, I made it as simple as I could. I wrote it all down. That's what God's saying. I wrote it all down. And I want you to allow me to change your thinking and your attitudes. I want you to allow me to change the way that you see your life. And God is saying, the way that you do that, listen, it isn't some quick prayer. But the way that you allow me to do that is to allow me to give you wisdom and insight and understanding. And then you work through the process. And as you begin to see as I see, then God says, chances are you will do as I say. Because, see, if you're here today or watching online and you're a parent, you know all about this. Because here's the thing. As a parent of three, we all stand on the fringe and watch our children make some disastrous decisions. And you're trying as a parent to explain to them, if wait, you wouldn't do that. If you could see as I see, you tell your kids, if you could, I've been there, done that. If you could see as I see, you wouldn't do that. Parents, we know that. And honestly, that's the heart of God. He says that if you could see as he sees, then you would do as he says every time. And he wants the best for us. And when, from where he sits and where he watches, everything makes perfect sense. But listen, you're not going to get there by listening to Beth Moore or Andy Stanley or Randy Cook. You're not going to get there by listening to some CD or some a podcast. You're not going to get there by reading a book. We need to do what David said, did. And we need to meditate, spend time, prioritize some time in our day by getting into God's Word. And you simply say, God, I'm opening this, and God, I want you to speak to me. Because, God, I want to have wisdom and insight and understanding so that those three things become the basis for all of my decisions. Because, see, God wants to speak to you about the real issues of life.
God wants to speak to you about the issues of life. But that's not all he wants to do. God wants to reveal some things through his word. He wants to reveal things about you that you don't even know about yourself. He wants to show you some things about yourself that you don't have any idea about yourself. There are things about you that you don't even believe or know that are possibly true. The Bible tells us that God's Word isn't still, it's alive, it's active. I mean, look at Hebrews 4, verse 12. Here's what it says. It says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Now look at that verse, and here's what that means. That verse means that if you will prioritize time around God's Word, then God will do things at a heart, soul, and emotional level that only God can do. Did you hear me? If you will prioritize some time and get into God's Word, God will do some things in your life at a heart, soul, and emotional level that only God can do. God will bring insight into your heart and your mind about yourself, and that will give you a stepping stone that you need so that you can make progress emotionally. You know what I've seen God do? I've seen God use His Word to help people understand the insecurities that actually drive their self-destructive behavior. I've seen God do that. Use the Word, the Word of God, to reveal those things to people, those things that are driving their self-destructive behavior. You know what else I've seen God do? I've seen God use His Word to reveal anger, and that anger is the very thing that drives depression. Because His Word is sharp and able to judge the intentions of the heart. What we really need to realize is that there are things that God wants to say about you and nobody has the insight that God has. And the Bible, His book, His words, His book, it's so powerful that it can go beyond just seeing things the way that the world sees things. Because His Word sees things the way that He sees things. Do you know what else you can find out about yourself when you read God's Word? See, it's in His Word that you'll find out how amazing grace really is. It's in His Word that you will find out that you are fully accepted in Christ. It's in His Word that you discover that you don't have to work to earn His acceptance. It's in His Word that we discover that His love for us is a gift. And you want to know something? You can hear a thousand sermons on this. But until God brings those words off the page, 
It's in the moment that when God brings those words off the page that it will just ignite something in you like never before. And you'll just not be able to keep silent with telling people your story. Because when God speaks to you through his word, you'll be able to tell other people, this was my experience and this is what God said to me. This is what God spoke to me. Because God wants to speak to you. His desire is to speak to you. It's what he longs to do. So this morning, I just want to, I want to conclude by putting some application to this. If you're here this morning in, or joining us online, and you're a parent of children, you need to put some application to this. And one of the biggest investments that you can make in your children is for you to associate your household decisions with the Word of God. As a parent, that's what you need to do. Don't just make right decisions, but help your children understand this is the reason why we make this decision. Help your children understand that you needed God's insight and wisdom to make the decisions that you're about to make. Well, the reason, child, that mom and dad did this is because the Bible says this. The reason I'm doing this, son, is because of what it says right here. Honey, the reason that we don't do that in this house is simply because of what it says here in the Word of God. That's what you need to do as a parent. The more as a parent that you can associate a practical decision in your household with the Word of God and what God has spoken about in His Word, it's going to do something in the life of your child and the perspective that they carry forward as it relates to God's Word and the importance of God's Word in their life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a single person. One of the biggest decisions that awaits a single person is the selection of a mate. It may be about getting married, who to marry. For some of you watching, listening, here, it's about remarriage. If that's you, then you desperately need wisdom, insight, and understanding. Because it's too late once you get there. And he asked you, and you said yes, and he's given you the ring. What do I do? Or there she is. She looks like she just walked out of Vogue magazine. I mean, she looks, she looks great. Because, see, when you find yourself in love, you've heard me say this before, when you find yourself in love and, and you're, you're, you've been longing for that mate, you find yourself in what I call a love fog. Because that's just the nature of being in love. Ugh, you know? I mean, that's just the way we are. You move into the fog and you come out on the other side married. And you're like, wow. That's what I'm telling you. You move into the love fog, you know what you need to carry with you? A sack full of wisdom, insight, and understanding. 
You move into that love bog, you better have a big old bushel basket full of wisdom, insight, and understanding. That's why even though Mr. or Miss Wright might not be on the horizon today, this is your opportunity, single people and people looking to, you know, remarry. This is your opportunity to prepare. This is your opportunity for you to get what you need to make those decisions. Because you have formed a basis in your thinking so that when you move into the love fog, you can sort those things out. Because you need to see as God sees when it comes to being single. You need to see as God sees when it comes to marriage. You need to, listen, you need to see as God sees when it comes to sex. You need to see as God sees when it comes to finances and money. As a single adult, you need to see as God sees. Because it will help you avoid what our culture says that you should do. And let me just tell you, people, listen, listen, listen. There are no shortcuts, people. There are no shortcuts. There is no quick thing that you can do. It's going to take time, and it's going to take an investment. The last group I want to address this morning is our students. Any students? Middle school, elementary school, high school, college? Students, let me just say this. When I was your age, the last thing I wanted to hear from was my parents. I don't want my parents telling me who my friends are going to be. I didn't want my parents telling me who my friends were going to be. My friends were my friends, and I don't want people talking about my friends, and I don't want people picking my friends. And students, one of the wisest things that you can do is to say, God, help me to see friendship the way that you see friendship. Because, God, I want to see friendship exactly the way that you see friendship. Because here's why this is important. Students, listen, listen, listen. Parents, the parents don't tell your, but you can tell them to listen to the message, okay? Let me tell you why this is important. Knowing how God sees friends is important because your friends can determine the direction and the trajectory of your life. And some of you know that your life went off the rails because you chose the wrong friends. That's why it's important to see friends the way that God sees friends. Because if you begin seeing friendship the way that God sees friendship, then you're going to be much more prone to do what God says. And the result of doing what God says means that you're going to put people around you, come on now, who are going to be rich in friendship. And they'll be there for you in the difficult times. But if you don't, then you know who it's up to? It's up to mom and dad. And you don't want to hear that. You don't want them to have to say it. Because before long, when you're picking bad friends, there's going to be World War III at your house. So students, here's what I'm telling you. Get into God's Word. Say, God, I don't understand this whole thing, but I want to see friendship the way that you see friendship. 
Because if you see friendship the way that God sees friendship, then you're going to do what God says. Because if you see as God sees, you'll do as God says. And your Father in Heaven wants to spend time with you. And if I could just speak for Him this morning, which, which I am, I believe that God is saying, I have made this easy. As easy as I know how. All you need to do Because my words, they're right here. Everything I have to say to you, it's right here. And all you have to do is listen. Here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to put a simple prayer up on the screen. And I've done something like this before. Sometimes I print it and hand it out. But I'm going to put this simple prayer up on the screen. And if you're one of those people this morning who is just kind of getting started or maybe you're restarting your faith, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. And here's the way the prayer goes. Look, look at the screen behind me. Heavenly Father, let the light of your word shine down into the dark places of my life. Now look at that. Let the light of your word shine down into the dark places of my life. Basically what that means is that you're saying, God, will you help me see things as you see things? Will you help me see myself as you see me? Let the light of your word shine down into the dark places of my life. Let the promises of your word encourage my soul. Let the truth of your word reshape my attitudes. Because, Lord, I want to see the world as you see it. And let the wisdom of your word guide my decisions. Because here's the thing, listen. If you will pray that little prayer. Here, wait, let me just stop. Let me just get Get your, get your phone out and make a picture of that little prayer. Because here's the thing. If you will pray that little prayer, if you'll open up your Bible and pray that little prayer and just say, God, I want wisdom. I want the wisdom. I want the insight. I want the understanding. I want those three things to, become, to, to form the baseline for the way that I live my life. If you'll pray that and open God's Word, I promise you that God will speak to you because He longs to speak to you. And you do that this week, I guarantee you next week you're going to come back in here into this building and you're going to be dying to find me and tell me a story of the way that God spoke to you. You pray a prayer like that, open your Word and ask God to speak to you. He's going to speak to you. Because all it takes is some time with your Bible open. Because when that happens, your Heavenly Father will speak to you. And He will, addre he will address the issues of your soul and of your world. Because He still speaks. He's never stopped speaking. Last night, I married off the last one.
Alex got married. Uh, there was 11 years between Mallory's wedding and Alex's. And uh, I sat at a table with Doug and Vicki Friels, who were instrumental in the starting of Crossroads. They have moved, Doug's an orthopedic surgeon, they've moved a lot of times. And, uh, but we were sitting there and we were talking, uh, Pete, uh, my good friend who married Alex, who married all three of my kids and his wife, Jordan, were sitting there and Doug and Vicki were sitting there and we were talking about Doug and Vicki's three boys. Bradley is Alex's best man, was in the wedding. But Graham, there's Bradley, the young, Graham, the middle, and Parker, the older one, three boys. Graham and his wife had been trying to have children. They, live, they were living in Washington State, and uh, they were trying to get pregnant, you know, doing everything they could. And one day she ends up pregnant with five. Five. Four boys. Uh, four girls, one boy. She was 20, of course, they, they did some in vitro and, and uh, or whatever you do to, you know, kind of help that along. And um, so th- here they are in Washington and they, they immediately find out that they have five and they think we got to do something different. So they moved to Phoenix where they were under the care uh, of a specialist who has delivered is that quintuplets? Is that right? Quintuplets? Who, who delivers five? That, that's his specialty. Their specialty. She was 27 weeks. Doug and Vicki are sitting at the table last night. I tell Pete and Jordan, I was like, yeah, their kid here has been trying to have children with his wife, and now they're pregnant with five. And, of course, Pete and Jordan almost fell out in the floor. And, and most everybody does. And, and we're like, well, how far along is she? They said, well, she's 27 weeks. They're trying to get her to 34, or I think that's what they were trying to get her to. And, I mean, we were just having a good time last night, we were, you know, celebrating Alex and Sydney and all that good stuff. And, you know, we go home, and... I get a text this morning at 3.30. She delivered all five last night. Now, they're all healthy. Four girls, one boy. God rest his blood. Oh, God bless him. That's all I got to say. They bought a church van. You know what I'm saying? They got a 15-passenger van. So we, we, I don't, I, as far as I know right now, everything's healthy. Everybody's healthy. Everything's good. But, you know, I just feel inclined as a church for us and for you going forward this week. I'll try to put something online so you'll have more specifics. But I just want to pray for them as I pray for you and as we end this message. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it does rightly divide, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And, God, that it speaks to us in every need that we have in life. We thank you for the clarity that it brings to situations, not necessarily the clarity that we want to hear, but God, it tells us what you have to say, what's right and what's wrong. It's up to us to choose how we're going to deal with that. So God, I pray this week that your people would get into your word and that they would hear your voice. But God, in this moment, I pray especially for Graham and his wife, and these five little babies. I pray that your hand would rest on them, that your spirit would go before them and behind them, 
and that you would touch every doctor and nurse and procedure that has to be done in the days going forward. God, we pray that you would do what only you can, and that's to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way with finances and patience and understanding. Let Graham and his wife raise these children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord so that they will be a testimony to the goodness of God. And God, that your life will be lived through them. We declare that in Jesus' name this morning. As we pray for the situation, for you to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. As we pray this total prayer in Jesus' name. of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I
that he will bring me home day by day i know he will renew me until instrumental in us making it initially. I mean, Doug, Graham's dad, was a doctor, and he was a great help financially. I can say that now that we're not online. So, uh, and us making it because it was tough, and it's still tough. That's why I tell you that your giving is so important. So, again, uh, as we put that up there this week, uh, I encourage you to send them a card and encourage them in any way that you can. As you exit today, we're going to take up those cards that have your personal information, uh, your prayer request. Drop that in the offering bucket with your offering, the cash, the checks, and the offering bucket here. You can always mail it on to the address you see on the screen behind me, or you can give online. You can also visit any of the giving kiosks in the lobby to use your bank card. Have a great week. I think it's going to be a beautiful week, and I look forward to seeing you back here next Sunday. We'll see you then. Have a good week.